Welcome to Living on Purpose. I'm Mark Pumphrey along with my co-host, Dr. Christy Stewart, coming to you from the Circle City, Indianapolis, Indiana. And you know, we have another request show. Yes, we do. I love the request shows. It actually gives us a break from us thinking about what shows should be right, and it gives the listeners an idea that, hey, I can be involved in this. But this one was about communication and the lack of communication that we have for one another, right? It is, the barriers. The barriers, right? And we we talk about this all the time. Even though we are conveying something, the listener may hear something different. Exactly. Exactly. So that's what we're going to talk about today, the problems that we have with dealing with the barriers of effective communication. That was the request, and I don't want to get so academic. Some mm. of our early shows, we got a little bit too academic, so we kind of <laughs> want to talk in jest about we some just, of this stuff. We just want to have a conversation, That's right. right. <laughs> and But I think we want to start with some of the things that are misconceptions about communications. Okay. And a lot of times, you know, we come back and we say, uh, well, I told them. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, we've all done that. Yep. Right? Or, no, I made that perfectly clear. So said a parent to a child. Yeah. <laughs> the, the thing is, is that, that's, that it puts the responsibility onto the listener or onto the receiver of the communication, which is not where the responsibility of the message being sent is. It is our responsibility to make sure that the receiver of the message receives it correctly. Mm. So that's tough. So a lot of times that requires asking questions and feedback. Did you understand? Did you hear me? What did you hear? You know, that whole, have anybody ever been to therapy? Well, that's, that's kind of the things that they teach you. But that, what we're going to talk about today is those barriers that can be that noise in the middle mm-hmm. of what we say, well, I told them, and what they actually hear why those can be two completely different things and why it's so important to know who your audience is when you're trying to convey a message. I would think so, because if you think about it, one of the questions that you always get at the end of one of these kind of meetings or whatever they are, when you have a group of people and one person is talking is, does everybody understand? Well, if I understood completely, but it was completely wrong, then right. I would never have a question about it, right? And just for an example, I had that the other day at work. I was giving a presentation. At the end of it, Everybody understood. We all left. Two days later, I must have conveyed something wrong because it was like, I didn't say that at all. But clearly I did because they all took it that away. Right. And so, but nobody had questions because we all understood. We just all understood wrong. (laughs) Well, and that's the thing. If you simply put a blanket statement out there, do you understand? Then, well, sure, I understand what it is I heard, but that doesn't necessarily (laughs) mean that that's what the message was being conveyed. That's a great point. That's but a great that's point. a really an open ended that you should really never ask that in that format of a question. You know, maybe you ask specifically a yada 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 on a specific topic. This is what I said. Is that what you heard? You know, again, that's very complicated. And how many people actually do this, right. especially in our personal relationships? Oh, personal relationships. You know, we sure. don't we don't ever do, we don't ever do that unless <laughs> again we've been in therapy forever and. That's what we're trained to do. It really is just the concept of the to take through the rest of the show of it is the sender's responsibility that the receiver receives the message correctly. It is not the person receiving the message. That is not the social norm that we live in. We live in a place of I told them they needed to figure it out. That is not effective communication. Yeah, or our famous one is, so what you're telling me is... <laughs> and it's like, I'm fat and ugly. You know, that is like, I didn't say that at all. <laughs> right. Yeah, exactly. Because, again, even that, fat and ugly is subjective. 
<laughs> right? I mean, some people are, you know, six foot tall and 140 pounds and they think they're fat just because they think that. Just remember, it's a loaded question when you go, does this look good on me? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. That gets us into the lying shows. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so that, anyway, that's kind of what we're talking about today. We're going to talk about some of the biggest ones that are really barriers to effective communication of, again, that sending that message, whatever the message is you're trying to send for the receiver to receive, that they don't get it in the manner with which you intended. Right. And we're also saying that poor communication, it hurts or kills relationships, right? I mean, it's, right. It, it definitely can, it's a contributing factor, you know? I mean, that's that's a must that you have to have good communications or better communications or work on communications, some form of that right exactly and one word we say all the time can kill a relationship Mm -hmm. you know and that we talk about in every show right words matter what (laughs) words you use matter and understanding one of the things we're going to talk about is that words have different meanings for different people they do so just because it means x to you does not necessarily mean that it means x to everybody else that is absolutely true Hmm, okay and then also when we talk about words and communication and killing relationships, it really hurts our decision-making process. Okay. Right? Because we're not getting proper feedback, right? Um, if we're trying to convey a message and we're trying to get feedback from another person, if they don't get the message correctly, the feedback that they give us is going to be incorrect. And so we make decisions based on our communication or communication with us you know, not taking into effect these barriers. And then we make decisions that, again hurt our relationships. We do, you know, people see this at work all the time, right? Oh, yes. That somebody gets fired over something. I, that is not what I said. Or, I, you know, I didn't mean to say that to her. You know, whatever. Uh, well, you see it on the news constantly now. Sure. Decision-making processes are drastically affected by poor communication. Absolutely. Well, I mean, you're like you said, you can't express your feelings, your ideas clearly when you don't know how to convey them properly, right? Right. And when you have bad information. Oh, yeah. That's a lot of it. You know, some poor communication is conveying bad information, which Mm -hmm. then you make decisions on bad information that you thought was good information because you thought you understood. Yeah, we did a whole show on that. that, Exactly. Misinformation is a killer, you know, so yeah. In our personal lives, it really leads to being, I think a lot of times, kind of passive aggressive or, (laughs) um, again, you know, different means to communication can translate in different people in different ways well body language i mean we're sitting over here talking about things like that i i'm probably if i was going to be self-reflective here the king of passive aggressiveness you know because i don't like something but i'm not going to say anything at the time because inherently i don't like confrontation yeah and so i'm just passive aggressive about it I hate to I, I hate to be that way, but I don't know. I just developed an art for it, I guess. <laughs> and it, so my body language gives off this, and mm-hmm. it, it, my wife is like, "What's the problem? Nothing." Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's funny. I mean, I, a lot of people out there are thinking the exact. Well, I do the exact same thing, but I am aware yeah. of it. Just for some reason, my communication skills don't stop it. <laughs> you know? So, I I definitely understand that. It's a bad, bad thing to have. <laughs> well, it, again, it, it hurts your relationships. So, well, it does. Because maybe we should just you, do a whole show on that. Sure, yeah. But, I mean, <laughs> it, it is. It's, it doesn't effectively communicate 
what I'm feeling, but the problem of it is, is I can't effectively communicate my feelings through my words. Right. We're going to get to that. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> because those feelings do uh, interrupt that transmission. Sure does. So. Yeah. I mean, how could it not? You know? So, I mean, there's all kinds of things. So, you know, in business, it can, this can lead to really bad performances and bad decisions. Mm-hmm. Uh, in a relationship, it can ultimately end it. And so there are barriers that we're going to talk about, right? That's right. Yep, so, gonna, that's all we're going to talk about the rest of the show are just different barriers to the communication process, and all of us fall in this spectrum mm-hmm. somewhere. At, well, and, yeah. and some of these were like better at other, some areas, and we're not so good in other areas, and that's just that's just being human. Well, the, there's a whole field to this, right? Exactly. I mean, the whole discipline <laughs> you, in communication. Yeah, you can go to college for this. So there is problems with it. Obviously. So let's talk about some of these barriers that come up. So the most pronounced one that we think of, at least in my mind, I always think of physical barriers. These can be a a very wide range Mm -hmm. of things from poor, outdated equipment. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. um, Background noise. You know, people that have either the radio going or I just officiated a club volleyball match. In fact, seven club volleyball matches last Thursday night in a building that had about 10 volleyball courts set up. So you have screaming and hollering and whistles blowing on courts that are right next to each other and balls bouncing and slamming. And you talk about background noise. They were actually trying to train new officials. I don't know how they did it because you couldn't even hear the person talking next to you. It was so loud in there. They said that in regular club tournaments – that there's so much going on that officials wear earplugs. I can imagine so if you have that. So that background noise, that's just one example of background noise. But that background noise, literal background noise, can really cause problems. And if you're in a work environment and you've got buzzers going off and you've got other people talking, you know, other people on the phone, um, that background noise can cause you, cause cause you a lot of problems when you're trying to communicate. Mm-hmm. Poor lighting was one. Oh, and I think this well, is definitely true. Yeah. If you are in an area that is really, really too bright, it's going to impede upon your physically being able well, to you know, you're concentrate. Thinking, so, yeah, you got these lights in your eyes and yeah. everything. And if it's dark, you're probably going to be sleepy. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. Uh, temperatures, this is one that gets me because everybody knows I hate to be hot. So anything mm-hmm. over 70 degrees starts really impacting my ability to concentrate and be comfortable. And if you're uncomfortable, it's going to be hard to communicate when you're uncomfortable. Yeah, because you can't concentrate. Right. Uh, age, gender barriers. Definitely. That, I mean, that we're going to talk a little bit more in depth about that in a minute. But that, that is definite, definite problems. Uh, gestures, posture. Like you talked about general body language. Mm-hmm. We're not going to go too much into that. I think people get that. Um, but trying to communicate in a room with windows. With things going on outside. That was a big thing. And oh. you're trying to teach in a classroom with windows. Because, you, well, especially hard. if you have them open, you could hear everything that's going on. Right. So, yeah, you've got a lot of these physical barriers then, right? You've got background noise. You've got lighting issues, maybe. Mm-hmm. Uh, you've got PowerPoints that maybe are too are boring or, or too in-depth. The temperature, temperature, obviously. Yeah, all these things can take place in that. But... You know, I had a real problem with windows because people would see something going on outside and you'd completely lose your class. Then one person see it, another person see that person seeing it, and now you have a whole class that's far more interested in what's going on outside 
than what you're trying to say. So I would actually close blinds. Would you? Because I'm like, yeah. does that say something? Because for me, at least, I've never been a teacher, but I could see where it's like, so a bee buzzing by the window is far more important than... Yeah. <laughs> right. Well, there you go. But you also have, you know, if you're at work and presentations and stuff uh-huh. like that, you want to make sure that the window is to the back of the people and you want to be in the front of the room. It totally you don't makes ever want to do a presentation when you're standing in front of the window. Well, that's just poor lighting in itself. Yeah, nobody's <laughs> ever going to hear anything that you say because it doesn't matter whether it's a bee or a person or yep. a car. Well, yeah, it, it, is it raining? Is it sunny? The sun, Even just the sun. It's just distracting. Right. The sun coming in and out of the clouds, oh, lightening up mm-hmm. the room, and, you know, where now you got it in your face and stuff. So that really is a hindrance, a big barrier to business communication if you have a window behind you that makes sense i can um, see that you will always want to flip it around somehow where at a minimum it's to your left or your right if you can't make it where the window is in front of you you know back to your mm-hmm. whoever you're trying to communicate with well there you go now if you're in an argument with your partner you know not to do it in front of a window <laughs> well that's true too that but that is that is the very that is true as well because well again, think about it yeah it's like you're sitting yep. over there trying to convey what you're feeling and they're like Look at that bird outside. I mean, if right. nothing's going to make you matter, that will. <laughs> well, and especially as you said, when you want to just detach, right? And you don't want the conflict. Oh. Mm-hmm. So that gives you a great opportunity to completely detach from the situation at the moment. Even if you're physically there, you can take your mind outside. <laughs> and maybe that's a good thing. Well, but maybe. <laughs> it's not good when it comes to communication. <laughs> Absolutely not. So the second one we're going to talk about is attitudes. Because this is kind of what you were talking about, your emotions, whether mm-hmm. you're, you're angry or you're sad, uh, people that are extremely nervous. Oh, yeah. Those things, you, you don't hear anything. I, I remember when I was in school, and I'm sure you had this too, where you had to go around and read a paragraph, and then the next person read the next paragraph. Mm-hmm. Uh, whoever thought that was a good idea? Because I all I knew was I would count... And I knew which paragraph was mine. I never heard anything anybody else said other than what I had to read. Now, I don't know if anybody else does that, but that's what I, I always did. And that is pointless because I was nervous. I didn't want to say a word wrong. I didn't want to look stupid. Mm-hmm. And I, all I would do is focus, focus, focus on this is my paragraph. This is my paragraph. Uh, that is not effective communication. That is bad communication i mean it's not effective is out the window when it comes to that because like you said i did the same thing if it was my turn i would read reread read it again so again because you didn't want to feel stupid and the problem of it is is that we all find out is reading out loud is far different than just reading it in your mind right so all the practice you did you still kind of stumbled over words (laughs) right well and only reading one paragraph out of a whole chapter you missed the you entire missed everything. lesson. Yeah. You know, I mean, again, that gets back to they should have read it before they got there. But that's all hey, but we have, uh, we, we do have show notes, so we're looking at them right now. So we've become better at it. That's right. Uh, and that, the next one is having a personal agenda. Yeah. You know, that whole listening to respond versus listening to hear. Mm-hmm. If you have a personal agenda, that is going to be a massive barrier to the communication process. You're going to skew everything which is not helpful. You are not going to get the message. You are not going to necessarily send the message because it's going to be so skewed in whatever your agenda is. Exactly. 100%. Yeah. If you have a personal agenda, you might as well give it up. 
I mean, I guess if you're the boss, you can do that. But <laughs> well, that's true, but that's only one-way communication. Truly, mm-hmm. communication is going to be a two-way back and forth. Uh, it doesn't necessarily have to be all words, but... Ooh, some bosses need to go have a conference on that right. because they don't get that very well. I'm going to communicate to you, but I don't want anything back, so... Right. <laughs> um, needing to be right. Uh, um, you know, some people are more about that than others, and, and there are some areas that I'm probably... Probably, to be honest, the my most insecure areas are the most areas that I fight harder to be right because I'm far more insecure in those areas mm. than if I know it, yeah, whatever. I don't, you know, you can believe what you want to believe because I know what it is. It's just when I need, I'm not quite sure, I think that's when we dig our heels in. But that's, that's a very good point. I think you are absolutely right about that because I don't argue about things I already know about. Exactly. Because it's a waste of time. I know I'm not going to get through to you. You're not going to get through to me. But, and, you're, and you're secure in it, so you don't care. Yeah, but, but when we talk about the Fed, and I don't know anything about it, I'm down and dirty in the trenches with that. That's right. <laughs> so these kind of things, those, um, and again, anger and sadness, um, you're not going to be able to communicate effectively when you're fuming or when you're in distress. That just makes sense, right? It does make sense. So th- these things are also called what they refer to as emotional noise. Oh, so we have background noise. This is emotional noise. Right. Okay. So this is that inside your head thing. This is inside you where the outside is going to be the noise, environmental noise. This is going to be your emotional noise. So we may not be able to tune in with what our true feelings are and we so we can't express them correctly, right? When you're angry, you're not necessarily in tune with what is really going on when you're, again, in distress or, again, very nervous. Yes. You're not going to be able to dig deep and express yourself correctly without that interfering with that communication process. Oh, 100%. I mean, how do you communicate effectively when I'm so emotional about whatever this is? You can't. Yeah, and especially when you're so emotional about the cat not going back on the toothpaste or something as silly as that. Well, and what somebody else told you. How many times yep. have we lost control and not communicated well and been in these emotional states and had our attitudes because, you know, Sally said that her boyfriend saw somebody do something, you know, and we're like, oh, I can't <laughs> believe they did that. Yeah, there's four levels of misinformation yeah. in there. But, no, we believe it, and that <laughs> becomes an attitude and really because the other person generally has no idea what you're even talking about. Right. And then how many of our negative feelings are based on – Assumption and expectations that may not be true to the situation. Oh, I think that yeah. is a big one. We have an assumption. We put a narrative to it mm-hmm. that is generally has nothing to do with anything but makes sense to us. And we have no other data. And then we start, you know, we talked about the blue-eyed lie, right? Mm-hmm. The one that we, a lie that we convince ourselves, And then we start to believe it. And then we settle out as truth. Uh, that's a big problem to communication when you're actually... Good. We did a whole show on misinformation and disinformation. Yep. Same thing that you can't let your assumptions and expectations rule your communication process. Well, I guess that's why we say manage expectations and don't assume anything. Right. I mean, these are some things that, and we could probably do a whole show on just assumptions. You know what I'm saying? Because mm-hmm. I do it, you do it. When we sit there and we talk about something, it's like, well, why do they do that? Well, I assume it's because of blah, 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 blah. I have nothing to base that off We've of. We've probably all said that five times already today. Exactly. Right. It's like it, it, what you're assuming is you didn't want to get into it with whatever that is. And 
you're just now making your own story behind it. So that's the that's the real truth behind it. When somebody goes, well, I assume they didn't want me to pick them up, so that's why I didn't take them to the store. So, yeah, we didn't want to do that. So we made this whole narrative to make it look like we're the victim here. Or we right, we did what go. we had to do. And you know. <laughs> Well, the next one, I think I do this, and I, I'm not really necessarily afraid of confrontation, and I know I no, do this. No, you are not. <laughs> <laughs> I know I do this, especially at work. If I didn't just didn't want to deal with the conflict or didn't want to deal with somebody's attitude, and, and that is that we don't talk to the people we should talk to directly because of the, our negative feelings towards them or our negative to- mm. feelings towards the information or our assumption about how they're going to interpret the information that we're going to send. So we let somebody else do it. Gotcha. So, so. now you have no process of the communication, right? Because you are... Panning that off onto somebody else to communicate your information, you know, that does generally doesn't work out so well because now they've got all these barriers to communication of sending your message. And the message that they are sending to that person, I get it. I get it because you have that avoidance going on. You don't want to deal with uh, Bob. Bob doesn't want to deal with you. So you put Sally in the middle. Now Sally has to try to find a way to effectively communicate with this person and you, because when you come, well, Bob said, well, what did Bob say exactly? You know, and you're like, uh, now they're trying to figure out a way to make it soften the blow, I guess. And their interpretation of the blow, yeah, exactly. which may or may not be action, actionable anyway. And then you turn around, well, you go back and you tell Bob. Right? We've all been in that. <laughs> yeah. you know, I mean, you know, I've, I actually, I was kind of in that not that long ago. And I'm like, are we in high school? Exactly. But yeah, and I've done it. I mean, it's just because I don't, because as you said earlier, we don't want to deal with the conflict. We don't Mm want to deal with the fallout. So we pawn it off to somebody else. And if we can't put the communication out there effectively, I promise you somebody that we're sending a message is not going to, that whole, you know, telephone we used to do as a kid, right? You know, give a message (laughs) and 10 people later, it's nothing. Exactly the same thing. Exactly. And, uh, you know, we talk about not letting other people dictate how we show up. Other people's bad attitudes and how they they affect how you talk to them or they talk to you or not talking to them at all, you know, again, because every time I talk to Betty, you know, we get in a tiff. So I'm either not going to talk to Betty, which is not effective, Mm -hmm. or I'm going to send somebody else like we just talked about to go talk to Betty. That, again, is not effective. Well, and, look at a partner relationship at, in right. your home. I mean, how much avoidance goes on there when you just don't want to go over the same damn thing that you went over two weeks right. ago, two months ago, two years, 20 years ago. Right. And you just, you avoid it. Yeah. Absolutely. And that is not effective communication. It is not. We all do it. <laughs> the next one is language. I think literally mm-hmm. and figuratively that people who speak different languages oh, really have a huge, ha- have a huge communication problem. Uh, different generations. No better example of this is the current generation that doesn't use the he's and she's that they want to be referred to as them and theirs. Mm-hmm. Um, the pronouns. You know, right. We don't necessarily understand that. So we that definitely impacts our way to communicate with them. Mm-hmm. But that is a gender barrier. And part of generations, you know, they have different heroes, different TV models, different music they listen to. Cultural differences just in time periods. So all of those things are going to impact incredibly on how we interact and how we communicate with people uh, in different languages. Because that is speaking a different language. That is, yes. Strong accents. Again, sometimes it's really hard to watch like The Crown or The Vikings or Downtown Abbey 
or just really just, any kind of BBC television show or anything of that nature because you do you have those strong accents. Mm-hmm. I mean, look at uh, even when we used to watch Harry Potter. You know, right. some of those kids just like, what did he just say? Right, until you get to three, four, five, six movies in, and then you hear it clearly. But in the beginning, those strong accents. And we have that with Northerners, Southerners. Sure we do. You know, we talked about the people in Boston mm-hmm. and their nasal. But yeah, strong accents can definitely impede our communication process. Uh, different regions. You know, people mm-hmm. have different values, different stories. They create barriers of understanding of the information based on what they believe to be true and that is regional. So Southerners speak and interpret things different than Northerners. We do, yeah. You know, part of that is breaking it down into like red states, blue states, different dialects, different foods, different music. Again, people in New Orleans have a whole different culture than people in New York City. Absolutely, yeah. And I, and I think sometimes we misconstrue that as Americans that everybody is the same when really it is regional. Californians are totally different than New Yorkers that are totally different than Midwesterners and that are totally different than Southerners. And we're going to talk in a show here in a few weeks called Where We Came From that we're going to talk about why those regions believe the things that they believe. Mm-hmm. So that's a show, upcoming show, their aimless plug. Yeah, show. but if you can keep in mind that you can find similarities more than you can find differences Like I say, with food, yes, foods are different, but we all need it to live. Music, yeah. I mean, I I do like some country music, but not all. But that's not because I think country music is inherently bad, and I think people hear that. It's like, oh, you know, I don't really care for country music. Oh, so you think country music is terrible. No, I don't. (laughs) Right. You know, it's just not what I listen to. So so I think that those also have a contributing factor to poor communication. Absolutely. Slang. Oh, that's yeah. a big one. Uh, if you're here from Indy uh, and you refer to a parking place that you said, "Man, I had to park in the back 40." Uh, anybody outside of Indianapolis or the Indianapolis 500 racing community has no idea what you're talking yes. about. <laughs> uh, behind the eight ball. Now I want to point out that she wasn't going to point out what the back 40 actually means. <laughs> uh, well, in the back 40 being the Coke lot right over by the Indianapolis Motor Speedway, that is a humongous lot, and if you have enormous. to enormous, enormous, yeah. And if you have to park in the back of the Coke lot, they refer to that as the back 40. 40. So Uh-oh. now you have been communicated that. That's correct. Now you, now you know. Now you're in the know. So anybody that's from Indianapolis that come, or a racing fan that says, man, back 40, you know it's, oh, they're referring to the Coca-Cola lot on, off of 30th Street in Indianapolis. Yeah, it's like, and you may never even see the Coca-Cola lot. You didn't even right. know it was there. But now you know that if you had to park way back in the back, it's called oh, the back, back 40. 40. There you go. Another one is behind the eight ball. Yeah. Okay, which means a difficult situation if you don't play pool or you're not from a country that has pool, which is not many, you're not going to have any idea what that means. That is true. Another one is bought the farm. <laughs> uh, again, if you're you're in New York City, you, you may not know what that means. If somebody you know son, suddenly dies or something, you don't know what that means. But it does seem like a, a, an odd saying, you know, when somebody dies. Like, man, they just bought the farm. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> okay. Another American-specific one is, man, they're going postal. Oh, yeah. If, you, if you're not an American, you do not know what that means. Yeah. I uh, mean, somebody that's filled with rage, you know, that's pretty much what, from the 80s and the 90s when mm-hmm. that started. Uh, more bang for your buck. Yeah. Um, meaning a good deal. You know that you have to know that buck is slang for our dollar bill, or you're not going to have any idea what we're talking about. Mm-hmm. 
Uh, one other, another American thing are the nosebleed seats. You know, yeah, kind of those crappy to... seats way yeah. high in the game. In England, they're called the gods. Because <laughs> you're, so you're so far up. So far up. Just a couple more. I thought this was fun. In Canada, they say, hang a Larry or Roger. Okay. Maybe turn left or turn right. Oh, and, L and R. Okay. Yeah, in England, um, I will give you a bunch of fives, which doesn't mean dollars. You're ready to get hit in the face. <laughs> for that. Cause well, okay. Uh, well, I guess you have five, five fingers. Five so. Knuckles, so, yep. Another English one is she's taken 19 to the dozen. Okay. Which means uh, she's talking really fast. Oh. <laughs> In Ireland, do a legger. Which no, means no, no. get away fast. Oh, okay. It's banjaxed is another Irish phrase, meaning okay. that it's good or it's broken. <laughs> <laughs> oh, last one. Australian, fang in the esky. Says, please, please place it in the cooler. Wow. Okay. Now, I got to tell you, if I had 10,000 guesses, I would have never got to cooler on that right. one. <laughs> <laughs> well, I thought that she's, she was... She was talking 19 to the dozen. I thought, oh, I didn't until I realized that meant she's talking really fast. I'm going to so use that. I mean, and then, you know, the cool thing of it is, is now we could say that to each other and nobody would have any idea what we're talking about. And it wouldn't be offensive to anybody. It's like when we meet somebody and they're talking really fast, like, woo, you know, he's 19 to the dozen, right? And everybody's like, yeah, that sounds kind of cool. And, uh, you know, one of the most... The common here is professional jargon, you know, oh, yeah. acronyms and words that we use at work. You know, our families would have no idea what we're talking about when we come home. So when you speak in those manners, you know, again, if you're work at work and you're talking that, but if you're, maybe you have a guest come in or something and they don't understand, again, that's a big barrier to communication. Well, and I got to tell you, that's one of the things I learned from you is, is that when you're doing a presentation, you know, you throw in some jargon kind of words that nobody understands and everybody's too afraid to ask you and And they think you're really smart and they think you're really smart you know and uh, so i have i must admit use that from time to time (laughs) well we can get the decentration going if we do it on an apex of a different level (laughs) right they're like wow okay Uh, that sounds and you can even ask what does that mean they're like i have no idea (laughs) (laughs) but we're gonna do that There you go. Uh, Physiological barriers. Oh, okay. So poor eye contact when speaking. Yeah. Of course, when you have poor eye contact, it really raises doubts to the person you're trying to communicate with. You lose their attention, make them suspicious of you, and they make the listener invisible when you're not paying attention, having eye contact. I can see that. Poor health. If you're sick, Mm -hmm. that's going to really impede your ability to communicate. Again, physical barrier. Uh, poor eyesight, hearing difficulties makes perfect sense. Pain. If you're in a lot of pain, again, we've all had, you know, migraines and stuff. You you, you just can't process when you have those things. Again, me, <laughs> being uncomfortable, <laughs> being too hot, being too cold, those are going to be barriers that really create a lot of problems And when you're trying to communicate. Closed doors, I think that's another thing. So really? if, if you think about it, if you're going into your boss's office and they close the door. Oh, yeah. You're automatically assuming it's negative. Yep. And now you start with your assumptions. Now you start with creating that narrative in your head over something that may or may not have anything to do with anything. That's it, true. Uh, trying to communicate right before lunch or the end of the day. We talk about that. Don't ask people for help at 10 minutes till 5. Yeah. You're, you're not going to get good communication on how to do whatever it is if you were gonna, if you get them right before lunch or right before the end of the well, day, because everybody's annoyed that you waited right. this long, you right. know. 
another one is problems with structural design. So this can be organizational structures that are not clear, right? Too many chiefs. You don't know who you actually report to or you got three levels coming down telling you what to do. This is a big problem in yes. my career. You know, you have people, you know, VPs calling you that says you need to do this and you have another one calling you say you do this. You know, I worked in the prison. I, had to res- I was responsible for all of the education and I had to report to the university at two or three different levels. I had to report to the superintendent at the facility. A lot of times that communication was two completely different things mm-hmm. and that creates a big problem when you've got too many people telling you what to do. Oh, absolutely. A uh, lack of supervision or training. So the flip of that, right? Even you don't know what you're doing because you don't have anybody to report to and you have never been trained on it. Which way you deliver the information, right? If Whether it's an email, a text, a phone call, in person, People send text messages that should never have been sent. Yeah. The information that should never have went on a email. You know, those type of things. You've seen careers ended that way. Exactly. Uh, so you never text or email bad news. <laughs> but also sending incredibly good news via a text or an email can seem cold. Mm-hmm. So you don't want to do that either. Any information that can be misunderstood, do it in person. And it's always good to ask people how they want the information delivered to them. This is becoming far more popular, I think, in businesses. Do you want a text? Do you want a phone call? How do you want us to communicate with you, especially like your doctor's office stuff? Do you want emails? How do you want it? That is good communication because some people want information in those media ways. But just know that there there are ways you should send information and there's, you know, yeah, your doctor's you office shouldn't. should never text you you have cancer. Right. You know, I mean, exactly. that's just not something you do. Right. <laughs> Even if I say, yeah, just text me with the information, yeah. that's one you don't want to text. Cultural noise. These are kind of their stereotypical assumptions. We see there's a lot going on with the Black Lives Matter and mm-hmm. the YouTube movement, right? People have stereotypical beliefs about different demographics of people. That really impedes with your communication when you're making assumptions uh, about an individual. And that really, we see you can get on uh, Facebook or YouTube and you can watch thousands of videos of police coming up to black or Hispanic men primarily and their poor communication based on their stereotypical beliefs about that demographic group. And I got to tell you, I did see this on YouTube the other day. The name of the video is Commercials That Could Not Air Today. Oh, I bet that was good. And they're culturally, from the 40s, mm-hmm. not 40s, but, you know, 50s, 60s, whatever, you know, when mm-hmm. TV came uh, to be. But some of these, you're like, oh, my gosh, that was an actual commercial? I mean, some of the, and yeah. most of them, and I will say it's very sad, but most of them are putting down women. One of them said, your wife's only good for one thing, cooking, but you don't want to eat her cooking all the time, so... Why not go to Hardee's? Yeah. (laughs) It's like, wow. (laughs) Again, that's one of those things that, you know, culture change. And if Mm -hmm. you're stuck in that, that's a great example of uh, how you can have a assumption based on a stereotypical response. Yeah. I mean, and based off the culture back Back then then. is why people think the way they think now at 50, 60, 70 years old. Right. Exactly. And that comes back into the slang, the dialect. You can produce wrong interpretations of the same words. Yes. By using a word that you think should mean this, because you're tr- you're trying to be cool, so you're talking to the youngsters, and they're like, "Yeah, that's not what that means." <laughs> right. It's interesting because you know we talked we were just talking about this the other day that in the north we call our drink sodas and southern call their drink 
pop and really everything that's a soft drink is called Coke. Mm-hmm. And they, so they will ask you what kind of Coke because that could be Pepsi or whatever. But that, that's one of those interesting little things. And if you ask someone for a little sugar in the north, uh, you're going to get some grains for baking, right? But if you ask in the south, you just might get a kiss planted on you. <laughs> that's that makes true. Sense, right? Yeah. So that was just one example of cultural differences and cultural noise that can drastically impact your communication. Yeah, absolutely. Especially if you don't know where you're at and you say that and somebody kisses you, are like, the heck was that? Right. Boy, that could be a real problem. That could be. <laughs> or it could be a really nice thing. Who knows? Yeah, but, you know. Exactly. <laughs> the next is a lack of common experiences. I would say and that's a big that, one. You know, using examples with stories that others can't relate, mm-hmm. have nothing in common with the person to convey the message. Again, slang, generational differences like we talked about a second ago. But lack of common experiences is definitely a barrier to communication well and i think it's a huge one because like we talked about the generational that's exactly what happens is we we think that they don't get it because they don't have enough experience now some of that might be true Mm -hmm. but it doesn't mean that they don't have a voice but how often do we pawn things off that they say and i say it a lot that is like oh they'll get it when they're 35 because somebody said that about me when i was 20 so yeah when you have this you know, lack of common experiences, it does put a big wedge in your communication because that 20 year old thinks that you're just too old and too out of touch. And the, you know, 50 year old thinks you just don't get this, you know. And there's, I'm sure, truth to both of those. I'm sure there are. So there's means with which you can do that, right? You can find somebody in that age group to help you. And um, we did a whole show on that mm-hmm. perspectives from a millennial. Of yes. How the, they think and process differently mm-hmm. than we do as Xers. So, I agree. Uh, ambiguity and abstractions that we use too much. So, right, leaving things half said. Mm-hmm. I, I know they meant that. <laughs> and it's funny, editing these shows, how much we do that. We don't finish sentences. Sen- and I have to cut that out and have to edit things because we don't finish the sentence because <laughs> we know what we're going to say. So we just don't finish it. And I, It's obvious, so blatantly obvious when I'm editing. It's like, what does that we didn't even finish that <laughs> sentence, but uh, using too many generalizations again, that's fine if you're at home and the person that you talk to all the time, or your you know your buddies at work. But if you're talking to somebody that maybe doesn't you don't talk to all the time, they're not going to know how to finish your sentence, or yeah. they have an assumption of how to finish your sentence, and that may not be good good news for you. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, trying to confuse and not give the whole story that disinformation mm-hmm. is definitely a problem with communication too much information right uh, we're information in that online, now. talking too much uh takes too long to process a lot of information if you use too many details you can confuse your listener and it breeds mistrust they think you're trying to if they think that you're trying to confuse them mm-hmm. again if you're talking to somebody who speaks a different language their language is not english as a first language the fewer amount of words that you use like you're talking to a toddler the better they're going to understand. When you start using a lot of adjectives, you know, again, I know some Spanish. If they talk in full sentences to me, I have no idea what you're talking about. Right. You know, where is bathroom? Okay, yeah. I got that. But if you say, you know, I don't know where the bathroom is. Okay, you know, my mom not, had her bathroom remodeled last weekend. I right, <laughs> right, exactly. If you think about that, you're going to, you're not, you might get one word, but you're not going to get anything out of it. So, right. Um, don't use too much information when you're trying to convey information. Well, I mean, just think about the communication that we have just on the pandemic alone and of oh, yeah. 
and with the vaccine. You know, I mean, how much misinformation, disinformation, real information is all out there and somebody trying to understand it all. You know, these things make sense when we're talking about them, but they're second nature to us. Yes. Uh, the poor communication that we have sometimes. Yes. Uh, back to assumptions and jumping to conclusions. We can make a decision before listening to all the facts because mm-hmm. we, we know that we know the truth, right? <laughs> Making decisions on things that may or not be true. Again, if we don't really communicate and understand. Um, they sabotage our effective communication and they lead to somebody thinking that you already know the truth, which can mean that they don't bother to listen. Oh, 100%. That's a big one, right? Yeah. I think I do that. Everybody does that. I probably do that more than most. I think I know what you're talking about. So I jump to the end and I haven't even listened to what you said. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think personal relationships, we do that all the time. Well, right? sure. Because, I mean, again, how many different arguments do you really have in a relationship that you're going to go rehash the exact same thing that you talked about before? But I think it. you're right. When we do tend to finish the thought before they actually had a chance to finish the thought. That's what happens. Well, the last one is not being prepared, that lack of credibility. Mm. And I think this is a pet peeve for me, for people who work for me, because don't come with me if you're not prepared. Okay. Delay the meeting. Say, okay, I need to gather some more information or even start out with that if you have to. There's not much in my life I do that's not prepared. And I think you lack credibility. Right, you're lacking facts, important information. You can't convey what you're trying to say if you don't know what you're talking about. Mm-hmm. Right, trying to be hard can come across as desperate. You know how many people would you know do that? I'm going to be firm. <laughs> yeah, okay, that is a form of manipulation. Yeah. Right, so it can come across as being difficult. Yes, yes, definitely. <laughs> Being prepared can reduce your fear and can reduce your anxiety. And that is absolutely true. Why do we practice our presentations? We practice them so that we are prepared. We have, we do it in front of other people. Um, we, you know, we talk all the time about going to your six people mm-hmm. and putting that out there before you take it to somebody else. It's exactly what it's trying to be about being prepared because it, again, it reduces mistakes, but also your fear and anxiety around that. If we work to be prepared, we're going to be more self-disciplined. And again, self-discipline is going to gain credibility with whoever we're trying to communicate with. It helps in strategic and critical thinking. You know, you have to work to be prepared. You do. Absolutely. It allows us to be flexible when we're prepared and have contingency plans. It does. Absolutely. Uh, The more you can be prepared for the better off when those unforeseen things appear. Mm Mm-hmm. Absolutely. If if you're having to put out every fire because you haven't done really any work on it, then every fire is equal. But if you're prepared and if there's always something that comes up that you're not ready for, you're going to be able to devote all your attention to that. And you're going to have contingency plans in place. Okay, well, if this doesn't, then this. And it, it, it helps you to stay clear when you have some kind of preparation, if you will. It's interesting because Benjamin Franklin said, by failing to prepare, you are preparing to fail. <laughs> We've I, You've heard that before. That right? I didn't know Benjamin Franklin true. said it. Well, and I didn't know that this phrase came from Bobby Unser. I say this on the pickleball court all the time. And I think Oprah actually coined this in one phrase, too, by saying success is where preparation and opportunity meet. Oh, okay. I didn't, I know didn't realize that. that that was Bobby Unser. But, again, back to Indianapolis and the North 40. <laughs> uh, <laughs> flipping this whole show all the way around. But I think that is true. If you're not prepared when opportunity comes, you're not going to 
be prepared. Well, and I think you're right. And when you're not prepared, it you do lack credibility because I mean, and I don't care. You can get in an argument about whatever politics. Pick your poison. It doesn't matter. And eventually, you're going to get to a point to where you don't know what you're talking about. It's just a fact. And what I tend to have a problem with, and I brought this up in another show, and I know people can't see me, but it's the bro thing. You know, where they got this smirky smile when you've totally eliminated anything that they can say, and then it's just bro, bro. Like, they have some sort of idea what's going on, and I just don't get it. And that's the thing, too, is that is a lack of being ill-prepared. Exactly. And And considerate of other people. Exactly. So, I mean, my whole thing is if you're one of these people out there or you know these people, A, you know, don't waste your time with them like I do, obviously. But (laughs) but just know that that is a lack of being prepared. And that also goes back to the misinformation, the overload of information, you know, the disinformation that people see and and get. And then they want to convey it to you and they don't communicate it very well. Right, exactly. So, yeah, I mean, it, it, it's interesting that being prepared will change everything. everything. That's essential because, I mean, you're not going to be respected either if you're not prepared. Exactly. So be prepared. Do what you can to get prepared. Sometimes things come up that you didn't see. I mean, maybe yeah. you missed an article or whatever. That happens. It does. But at least you are prepared for as much as you can be prepared for. And I believe you said it when you were doing your dissertation that, you know, you studied on the stuff that you knew that they were going to argue about versus the stuff that you knew that they weren't. So, yeah, I mean, know your audience enough to do that. Yeah, that's exactly. I think that's a great point that wasn't in here is knowing your understanding your audience and how they need it conveyed to them. We Mm -hmm. talk about the five love languages, right? And that is such a great little book on understanding, and it doesn't necessarily have to be in romantic relationships, but understanding how the person needs the information. What do they need? And that is completely different a lot of times. You know, I don't want a lot of information. I want the facts. Just give it to me. The more words you use, then I get distracted by the bee in the window. I get you. So the less words that you use to me, the better. But some people need a lot of context that mm-hmm. you need when they you tell them something. They need the whole story behind it. Okay, if I come to them and say, boom, 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 that's going to be disrespectful to them. They're not going to get it. They're not going to understand what I'm talking about. And I might say, do you understand? They're going to be, yes. And they're not going to have any clue what I'm talking about. So you have to understand what your audience is, how they need the information presented to them. Again, to end the show, it is the sender's responsibility to convey the message. It is not the receiver's responsibility to make sure that it's right. There you have it. So there are the barriers to effective communication. So you know what? I know that's a lot of information. Go back and listen to it again. We definitely want you to do that because we want you to be able to communicate effectively. And there's a lot of good information here. So take your time and really soak it in. So we're about out of time for this show, and we have some great news. Starting January 1st, 2022, you can find our show at livingonpurposepodcast.com or any of the podcast platform like Spotify, Google Play, iTunes, Stitcher. Just search Living On Purpose Podcast and subscribe to the podcast or look us up on Facebook and give us a like and let us know what you want to add to this new show. That's right. So live every day of your life. On purpose. On purpose.